Welcome back to this second hour of Leading Edge Medicine. Leading Edge Medicine provides only general medical information. Since everyone's individual situation is unique, you should consult your own physician before taking any action related to your personal health. All content of this program is intended for general informational purposes only. Good morning and welcome to Leading Edge Medicine with Dr. Jerry Mixon and Dr. Samira Umat. Leading Edge Medicine is sponsored by Longevity Medical Clinics and is devoted to helping you feel and function better tomorrow than you do today by providing the newest and most advanced medical care designed to improve both your body and your brain. Leading Edge Medicine will keep you informed regarding the very latest developments in science and medicine while highlighting some of the Northwest's most prominent physicians, all while helping you separate the science from the silly and the facts from the fiction. This is live call-in radio at its very best, giving you the opportunity to participate in the show. Now, here are your hosts for Leading Edge Medicine, Dr. Jerry Mixon and Dr. Samira Umat, along with their co-host, Lynette Morgan. That's one person. Oh, wow. oh. Trying to take over the show. Oh, yes, and we're back. We've got a lot of folks on the line. We're just discussing that. Welcome back to Leading Edge Medicine. I'm Lynette, along with Dr. Jerry Mixon. And we have our eye specialist, Dr. Michael Gilbert here from Northwest Vision Institute. If you have your eye questions, we'll talk about the uh, pinguecula, a new word for me. Oh, you I like, like that? that? I wrote That's that one down and... And eyes and all sorts I'm a, of things. I, I'm amazed you didn't morph it into something involving penguins myself. No, yeah, in my mind. <laughs> in my mind, I did. I've already got the eye mites looking like salamanders and oxalotls. So. Okay. so you've misspelled it. It's P-I-N. Oh, there we go. I'll put a little Pin. dot on top of that. <laughs> okay, lots of calls to get to, and we can get to yours this hour as well at Leading Edge Medicine, 800-465-8770. We are going to head to Lou in Tacoma right now. Hi, Lou. Good morning. Hello, Lou. Oh, good morning. Good morning. I, I do apologize. I came in at the middle of your session and I didn't realize you were eye specialist at the time. And my question is about early stage breast cancer and tamoxifen. <laughs> okay. Oh, we talk about anything. <laughs> yes, right. I have opinions on a lot of stuff. <laughs> That's right. But you really want Dr. <laughs> okay. Mixon on, uh, uh, on something like that. <laughs> there we go. So Dr. Mixon will well, take this question. Okay. Wonderful. How can I help? Thank you. Uh, well, I was, um, I was diagnosed early stage and I had surgery i had a lumpectomy and got uh -huh. it out and of course they put me on a estrogen inhibitor and i tried three or four of them and they make me nuts i cannot take them and my mm -hmm. uh surgeon of course not my surgeon but the um the med doctor said um the only way that we can really control breast cancer because if it they take it out and if it comes back it can come back into a different part of your body and then pretty much uh you know that it's uncontrollable and she okay. said so if we give the estrogen inhibitor which uh breast cancer most likely is caused by estrogen causes breast cancer so they try to suck every part of it out of your body and i'm telling you i cannot take it i am not so i went to my uh, naturopath and she gave me a uh something that may be an alternative for it i don't know i didn't know if you wanted the name of that 
But mm-hmm. um, I would love it if you would ever, if you would do that, or if you had an alternative to that as well. Okay. Well, let's let's start with one of the things you said that is flat out wrong, and I hope that your doctor is not foolish enough to believe that. Estrogen doesn't cause breast cancer. Okay. In fact, in in the studies, what we found is that if you give women estrogens, they have a lower incidence of breast cancer. You can lower the risk of breast cancer about 30% by giving women estrogens within 10 years of menopause. Okay. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah. In fact, if you look at the curves, uh, women's risk of breast cancer is lowest when their estrogen levels are the highest. Okay, when you're 18 years old, you have the highest level of estrogen you will ever have in your life, and yet your risk of breast mm-hmm. cancer is the lowest it will ever be in your life. And as you age, mm-hmm. as the estrogen levels drop, breast cancer risk starts rising. And uh, so the and and if you'll follow that through lifespan, the lower the estrogen levels get, the higher the risk of breast cancer. Um, and what what we're now starting to think is that breast cancer for most women, because there is breast cancer caused by genetic defects. There are, uh, mm. you know, BRCA uh, one and two def- genetic defects that give you a ninety nine percent chance of having breast cancer in your life. Those are girls who develop breast cancer in their early twenties and thirties. Uh, so, but that's a that's a unique type of breast cancer. But for most women, um, breast cancer acts as though it's an a estrogen deficiency disease. The breast needs estrogens, and if it's not getting enough, at some point, some cells in there will say, "God, I've got to have my estrogen," and they undergo a mutation in which they now start making their own estrogens and their own growth hormones, and their own dehydroepiandosterones. And the, the breast tissue now has, is no longer healthy breast tissue. It is a tumor. It is a, a abnormal tissue that makes its own estrogens. Now, what we would mm. really love to do would be to just block the estrogen production within that tumor. We want to turn off the oh. estrogen, the growth hormone, all of the growth factors being produced in the tumor. But we don't know how to do that. The only way to block the the production of the estrogens in the tumor is to block it in your whole body. Mm. And so that's what we're doing. So our target is that tumor, but we don't have a drug that only turns it off in the tumor. So we give you things uh, like an an astrazole or Lupron or these sorts of things that turn off all the estrogen in your body, including the tumor. The problem with that is when we turn it off in your brain, you get squirrely because your memory goes to hell. Your executive functions go bad. In your bones, you now start thinning your bones out and go to osteoporosis. Your muscles get weaker and start infiltrating with fat. Your skin ages 10 years in one. So when we turn off the estrogen in your whole body, we're doing a lot of damage, but we do have an impact, a good impact on the breast cancer. Okay? So it's a trade-off. You know, we try to save exactly. your life, but in the process of saving your life, we make your life hell. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. 15 hot flashes a day. 
just yeah. melting and absolutely yes. terrible. It's yeah. terrible. And, you know, and when your bones start breaking because you're just climbing stairs, you know, we got a real problem. So, mm-hmm. so the question is, you know, what can we do without turning off estrogens everywhere? Um, so now let me, let me switch gears for just a moment. Let me talk about menopause because when we, when we give you things like Lupron uh, and Anastrozole, we're turning off all of your estrogen production, but we're turning off a lot of other stuff too. The problems of menopause, we used to think were just estrogen deficiency, but let me give you some interesting numbers. Okay. By age 50, average menopause age, the typical woman has dropped her thyroid function about 25%. So her metabolism is getting slower. She starts getting fuzzy headed. Her skin gets dry. Her hair gets dry. She starts thinning her hair out and she's gaining weight because of her thyroid being down 25%. Her estrogen mm-hmm. is down 50% at menopause. Okay, you're still making half your estrogen at menopause, by the way, at 50. But that 50% decline in estrogen is causing, once more, your skin is using that youthful feminine glow, your your hair is no longer as, as sheen, doesn't have its oil anymore, your your verbal abilities in your brain are starting to decline and you are getting hot flashes and the hot flashes are related to what we call vasomotor instability. Your, your brain, your pituitary and hypothalamus are trying to get you to make more estrogen. So they're ratcheting up your luteinizing hormone in, in your brain. Yeah. And those very high levels of luteinizing hormone are what's causing the vasomotor instability. And those are the hot flashing and the sweats in the middle of the night. Your progesterone mm-hmm. is down about two thirds, about 65%. And the lack of progesterone is why you stopped having periods. It wasn't the lack of estrogen. It was the lack of progesterone that's causing you to have periods or to, to, to not have periods anymore. Your testosterone mm-hmm is down 80%. And fascinating, in a young woman, when you were 18 years old, you added two and a half to three times more testosterone than you had estrogen. Testosterone is the Mm -hmm. primary steroid hormone that men and women both need. So your testosterone by 50 is down by 80%. And so now you lose your sex drive, your, your libido goes away. Your spatial exactly. orientation, your spatial orientation starts going away. Your muscles are shrinking up. Your bones are thinning out. Okay. Your yeah. breasts are deflating and that's all due to low testosterone. So menopause is not an estrogen deficiency. Menopause is a multiple hormone deficiency. Thyroid, estrogen, progesterone and testosterone. And if you're going to treat menopause properly, you need to give women all four of those, not just one of them. <laughs> all right. Now, let okay. me get back to your cancer. <laughs> okay. That testosterone that has dropped 80% by 50 is a potent anti-breast cancer drug. Okay. Testosterone lowers the risk of breast cancer significantly. And it lowers the risk of reoccurrence of breast cancer. If you've had a breast cancer and had it removed, 
Raising your testosterone load lowers your risk of reoccurrences by more than 50%. You cut your risk of a new breast cancer in half by raising your testosterone. Okay. If my wife turns up with a breast cancer, because she's now 47, 48 years old, okay? she's 29, 30 years younger than me, depending on where our relative birthdays are. Um, I would put her on an airplane and I will fly her to Ohio to a, a breast cancer specialist called Dr. Rebecca Glazier. And Dr. Glazier has published wonderful papers in which she has taken little implantable pellets like we use in the anti-aging therapies. But she makes mm-hmm. has them made with both anastrozole and testosterone. And she actually puts the pellets in the breast so that the breast yeah. tissue... The breast tissue is getting a very high load of both testosterone and anastrozole to block the estrogen production in the tumor and give it a lot of testosterone. And when she shows you her x-rays, they're fascinating. She's done this with women that had great, big, ugly cancers in their, not little cancers that could take out lumpectomy, great big cancers. And over the period of several months, you just watch the cancer shrivel up and shrink and get tiny in comparison, okay? Mm. So I, I think she is the most cutting edge cancer therapy in the country. And so that's why I take wow. my wife. But, <laughs> but anyway, so yes, there are things you can do. Um, and boy, I, I wish this was television. I'd hold up, I'd hold up a, a, a slide to the screen, a, a great big poster that shows you that with menopausal women, by just giving them testosterone, the dramatic change in their life, you reverse wow. 95% of all those menopausal symptoms with just one drug, and that's testosterone instead of estrogen. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why in our clinic, virtually every woman is getting testosterone, <laughs> okay, including their estrogen, progesterone, thyroid, and so on. Um, but the mm-hmm. testosterone is a potent anti-breast cancer drug. So, uh, interesting. Yeah. So there's there's a lot that can be done beyond what it sounds like is being done with you, young woman. Uh, so I. Yeah, I mean, I'm not so young, and I don't. I, I had cancer before. My thyroid is completely gone, and mm-hmm. thyroid lymph node cancer, so that's gone too. Yeah. So, and I've been through menopause and all that. Yeah. So, um, see, and, yeah. And, and, and people who get a one cancer all at very high risk of another cancer. Cancer formers form cancers. Yeah. That tells me your immune oh system. Your immune system is not very good at finding and killing abnormal tissue. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they were. It was 27 years ago. I had thyroid cancer. Okay. So, and then I don't know how. You know, just through a mammogram. Thank God for them. I just came yep. up with you know a little, just a little tiny lump. So they took it out, and I went to the University of Washington. And when I, you know, and I looked at her and I showed her what my naturopathic doctor had given me, and she said, "Look, I am a scientist." I cannot tell you what this thing is going to give you, this alternative. But she says, I know that I know that breast cancer is caused from estrogen. So we are blocking that. So that cancer, and if it ever comes back, 
then we can't control it wherever it goes. Yeah. Wherever okay. it goes, you know. Right. Well, while like, she's talking, so I'm yeah, like, I'll tell you what, we have to take a break, but hang yeah. on the air because I'm going to talk a little bit about the the etiology and the the life cycle of breast cancer, okay? I'll okay. be back in about two That's minutes. All right. Thank you so much. Taking a quick break, and Lou, you hang on the line. Mark, you stay there too, and Bob. Oh, and Tom, we're going to get to you as well. This is Leading Edge Medicine. Lots of questions today. We're glad you're here. Stay on the line. We're going to learn a lot together in just a moment. We'll be back. Edge Medicine. Leading Edge Medicine. For the first time in history, you can choose how to age. Call now with your questions at 1 800 465 8770. That's 1 800 465 8770. No matter your age, if you are looking to decrease your dependence on glasses at both distance and near, I suggest you go with experience. Pete Talbot here again for Dr. Michael Gilbert at Northwest Vision Institute in Bellevue and Kirkland. He's not just my ophthalmologist and my wife's, my son's, my friend's, and all my neighbors, but he was just recently voted Best LASIK in 425 Magazine and has been voted Best Doc in Seattle Magazine many, many times. So whether it's LASIK or RLE or Advanced Cataract Surgery, Northwest Vision Institute will find the best option for you. So if you're over 40 or 50 and haven't had an eye exam for a year or more, here's something you simply won't get anywhere else, an advanced ocular exam. Not that simple eye exam everyone else does. So to schedule your advanced ocular exam, go online at nwvision.com or call 425-450-2020. 425-450-2020. This is Dr. Jerry Mixon. If you want to stay healthier longer, well, I'm the guy to help you with that goal. If you want to stay out of a nursing home without becoming a burden on your loved ones, Rajiv Nagayich is the one you need. No one can help you plan your future as well as Rajiv. And this is because he's done the original research on the subject and developed a solution no one else has except his patients. Trust me, he's different. He's helped me with my long-term financial planning, and I've helped him with his long-term health plans. You really should check him out. He still does seminars, and they're free. Invest an hour with him and walk away with a lifetime of peace of mind. There are three seminars scheduled for September. Register at lifepointlaw.com. That's lifepointlaw.com. Register today. You can Medicine. I love that we have the eye songs today. Lion eyes. There we have our eye specialist in the studio, Dr. Michael Gilbert. We have some eye questions coming up here. But uh, Dr. Mixon, let's finish up talking with Lou before we get to okay. our next call. Yeah, you know, this is a subject I could spend an hour and a half on. Um, but, Uh-oh. I, but, I, but I won't. Uh, okay. When, when breast tissue is starved for estrogen... A, a single cell will undergo a mutation and will become a malignant cell. And every cancer starts okay. with one cell, one single cell. And that cell will reproduce 
every 30 or 60 or 90 or even 100 days between reproductions. So the cell has to reproduce and get big enough that we can see it. Okay, The average woman, depending on the, the particular genome of that particular cancer, how fast it's reproducing, by the time it's big enough for us to find your cancer, you've had cancer uh-huh. three to seven years. Three oh, to seven years, it's been there. Yeah, wow. so, so it's been growing for the last three to seven years before it gets big wow. enough for us to find it. So when your doctor said, wow. you have cancer, people say, oh my God, I just got breast cancer. No, you were just diagnosed yeah. today. You've had it for years. Right. At a minimum, you've had it for three years. And you could have had it for four, five, uh-huh. six, seven years. It just depends on how fast it's growing. Okay? Crazy. Um, so somewhere in that three to seven year period, that cancer may mm-hmm. have butted off some daughter cells that either went through your lymphatic system or into your bloodstream and lodged somewhere mm-hmm. else in your body. Okay? Now, if that happened, we have no way of knowing in advance. All we know is that Somewhere in the last three to seven years, you may have butted off some daughter cells that went elsewhere and are now lodged in your lung, in your belly, in your leg, in your brain. And those cells are now slowly growing. And it's going to be three to seven years from the time they that daughter cell broke off till the time it gets big enough for us to find. Mm. Okay, so. The reason they're, they're trying to suppress your estrogen for a long period of time is just what I said before. We don't know how to shut it off just in the tumor. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so our only option is to shut it off everywhere, but that causes problems. But that shutting it off will get those daughter cells that might be sitting in your brain or might sitting in your lung or sitting elsewhere in your body or in your other breast. Okay. And so that's the reason the doctor is trying to shut it down. She's making it simple for you by saying, we know that the estrogen caused, the estrogen didn't cause it. In fact, as I can show mm-hmm. you some, some small studies from the, from the nineties before everybody got so afraid of estrogen to show that when they took women who had, had had a breast cancer, had had surgery and or radiation and put them on estrogen, the reoccurrence rate mm-hmm. was 30% lower. Than, wow. the, than, than the women that didn't get estrogen, okay? But, what, but the problem we're facing is you may have what we call metastasis. Those mets can be sitting out there somewhere that we don't know about, and they could have been there for, mm-hmm. for the last couple of years. And the only way we know to stop them from growing is to block the estrogens. That's okay. why she's looking at it. Okay, that's a more complex story, and it it's harder for people to understand. Mm. But that's the the actual scientific facts. Okay, so what's the next step for me? You think? I mean, what would you advise? <laughs> well, <laughs> like I said, if it, if it had been my own woman, I'd go get a consult with with Dr. Glazier because I think she is the best cutting edge doc around. Her therapy will prevent you from getting a reoccurrence in that particular site. Unfortunately, if you've, already that, got, if you've already got metastasis, if it's already spread to your brain and lung, her therapy won't help. 
The only okay. way, thing that's going to interfere with those others is what your doctor is recommending. Mm-hmm. Can't do. I can't. I can't. There's got to be a quality of life too. Yes, and there is. I was miserable like crazy, and yeah. I I was depressed. I I mm-hmm. felt I had 15 hot flashes a day. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was horrible. It was just. But horrible. what you might consider, uh, what you might consider, uh-huh. is using testosterone with the anastrozole with the blocker. Yeah. Um, testosterone with the. With the blocker, yeah, because I can I can show you some incredible some incredible slides on testosterone therapy in women that have that are also on a a estrogen blocker. Um, okay. I just wish I had you here in front of me. Yes, I'd, we need I'd, you here. I pull I pull up the papers on my computer and show them to you. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> where, where are you? He located? is passionate. Where well, we're doing a radio show, so I'm kind of uh, stuck. Yeah, wow. we have three locations right. for you, Lou. Uh, oh. We're in Kirkland, Tacoma, and Linwood. Oh, you're in Tacoma. Mm-hmm. Yep, we have we, we have, have a have clinic in Tacoma. In. Yep, I'm not there okay. personally, but we do have doctors down there. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, maybe I can get a phone number from them and and, and go from here. Well, perhaps. Um, you know, once more, we are we are not breast cancer therapists. We are aging doctors. We right. treat the common problems of aging, but we see a lot of uh-huh. breast and prostate cancer just because of the, the age of the population we treat. So, yeah. All right. In sure. fact, I'll give you that information right now. Okay, Lou? All right. I will take that. Thank you. Okay. Thank you for thank tuning you so in to Leading Edge everything. Medicine. Oh, you bet. I appreciate you, doctor. Thank you. You're welcome, Beth. Just take care. Before we get to our next caller, uh, let me give you that information. Yes, our longevity medical clinics treating the aging, uh, the undesirable, but normal. <laughs> the normal, but undesirable stages of age, aging. Uh, Kirkland, Tacoma, and Linwood, these are where the longevity clinics are. And if you'd like to come in for that free health analysis, we are still offering that. And you can call our number. This is the number to call. It's 866-86-YOUNG. Ask for that free health analysis appointment. We'll have the two blood, t- the blood test and the in-body test. Let's our doctor know what you are at risk for down the road, like diabetes, like cancers, dementia, heart disease, joint issues, and so much more. Again, the number is 866-86-YOUNG. You can also go online to lmclinic.com. We want to see you here at Longevity. We want you to be... Stronger, faster, leaner, smarter, sexier, and of course, happier. happier. Absolutely. 866-86-YOUNG or lmclinic.com. That's where you go, and we invite you to call in. You can do that right now and make your appointment if you'd like. All right, we're headed to Seattle. We have Mark on the line. Thank you for waiting there, Mark. Good morning. Good morning. And how can we help you? Well, I just, I guess, hopefully it's a simple question. I was just, um, I switched from taking the shot uh, for testosterone to the gel. And I'm just kind of wondering his, the doctor's thoughts on how to, what's the best way to apply that. You know, I hear different things like you're supposed to wash it off after eight hours, and make sure there's no contacts. I just kind of wanted to get his opinion on what's like some of the best ways to uh, apply the gel and make sure that, you know, okay. I'm just doing it properly, basically. Yeah, well... You're using the gel, so you're already doing something that worries me. Um, the commercial gel is only five milligrams per gram. Yeah, I think that's about right. 
yeah. prescribed, but yeah. Yeah, but it's a, it's a piddly dose. Uh, for instance, yeah. the, the, the cream that I apply to me every day is 200 milligrams per gram. And you're at okay. five milligrams per gram. So... <laughs> That's a big yeah, difference. Way off. Wow. Yeah. Okay. okay. So uh, that that is a, a I think a bit of a concern. Uh, so the question is, what are your blood levels? And that's what we have to go by. Okay. It's not what you put oh, okay. on your skin. It's what's in your blood. Um, gotcha. Okay. So when you take a the standard dose of the injectable is two hundred milligrams per cc. So if you were injecting half a cc a day or half a cc a week, you were getting 100 milligrams a week, okay? If you put on a 5 milligram gel once a day, five, seven days a week, you're getting 35 milligrams a week. So about one-third right. of, of what half a cc injection would be per week, okay? So, yeah. Um, but then that parenteral injection that entire 100 milligrams went into your bloodstream, okay? The uh, cream, you put five milligrams on your skin, you may only get one or two milligrams into your bloodstream. It doesn't all get absorbed, okay? Mm -hmm. Some of it rubs off on your clothing. Some of it you sweat off. Some of it just, you know, doesn't get through the skin. So I'm less concerned with what you're putting on the skin than what you're getting into your body. Okay? Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not fond of the injections, although I do have a few patients that are we have on injections because we we had other complications with other other methods. But when you take the injection, that first 24 hours you get a peak level, you get the highest level you're going to have, and then that testosterone ethionate, which is what the, the the injection is, will slowly be absorbed over the course of the next week or 10 days. And so your levels are declining every day over the next week to 10 days. And then you take another shot and you boost it way up high. And what tends to happen is people go too high the first day or two. And by the time they next take the next shot, they're too low. But on average, they're perfect. But on average, they're perfect. That's right. So if you take their highest number and the lowest number and you average them out, they're doing just fine. But that's not what's in their body. Okay. I want your levels during the day when you need your testosterone, when you're doing stuff, to be in a good physiologic range. I want it to be in the mid-range, 50% of a healthy 25-year-old man. That's my target. I don't want you to be in the mid-range of a 60-year-old because 60-year-old levels suck. I want you in the mid-range for a healthy 25-year-old so you can run, jump, leap, cavort, make love several times a day, enjoy your life. All right? All sounds great. Yeah. So so I'm looking for a cream that I can put on in the morning, will kick my levels up, be absorbed over the next 10 or 12 hours, keep my blood levels in a very good, youthful, vigorous range, and then at night, I wash it off. I get soap and water in my nice hot shower, and I scrub myself down, and I take it off because the half-life of testosterone is 75 minutes. So once I wash it off, and it's no longer being absorbed through my skin, in an hour and 15 minutes, half of it's out of my bloodstream. 
Another hour and 15 minutes, half of that's out of my bloodstream. Now my levels are dropping low enough that my own testicles can say, hey, wait a minute, I need more testosterone. I think I'll go back to work. So my own testicles work through the night. And then the next morning, I put on the testosterone again, and they say, hmm, a lot of testosterone out here. I can, I can rest, and my testicles quit working for the day. <laughs> All right. But sure. when they don't work, they shrink up. And you can train, yeah. you, you can, over the course of several years, you can get testicles that started off the size of walnuts, and now they're the size of a peanut. And mm. from a physiologic standpoint, if you're not planning to have more children, that's not a big deal. But from a psychological standpoint, I was born with a pair. I plan to die with a pair. And that's just the way it works. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, um, I agree. Okay. So I want mine working every night. And that's why we do it the way we do it. But the okay. only way to tell you where, if you're getting enough or too much or not enough is to measure you need to measure your free and your total testosterone. And you ought to be measuring it at least every three months and adjusting your doses based on what your blood levels are. Okay. All right? Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you for the call, Mark. Bye. We'll take a quick break, and we will be back with Bob's call. We also have Tom on the line. And a question for you, Dr. Gilbert, about the eyes in just a moment. Stay right there. Leading Edge Medicine. Leading Edge Medicine. Join in the conversation at 1-800-465-8770. And tell your friends to listen. That's 1-800-465-8770. Longevity Medical Clinic is happy to announce that Longevity Development, the business and marketing arm of Longevity Medical Clinic, has entered a strategic management relationship with Paramount Pharmacy. As a medical clinic, we cannot tell anyone where they have to go to fill their compounded prescriptions. We can only make suggestions. But for the last two years, we have referred our patients to Paramount Pharmacy for three key reasons. Excellent quality control, excellent pricing, and excellent customer service. And now, due to our new management oversight and relationship, Longevity Development and Paramount are actually working together to better serve our patients. A team approach to better health care. It truly can make a difference. And now, to celebrate and to convince you that we truly feel we can better serve your health needs while saving you money, Paramount has agreed to make an offer to all new patients willing to give Paramount a try. On your first prescription only, Paramount is offering you a 90-day supply for their 30-day cost. That's right, a 90-day prescription for the 30-day cost. All you need to do is call Paramount at 425-251-1660. It's as simple as that. Call 425-251-1660. I feel like a woman. 
Welcome back. Leading Edge Medicine. My name is Lynette here with two amazing doctors in the studio live taking your questions. And before we get to the next question with uh, with Bob, we had a question concerning testosterone and dry eyes. No, no, one, one second. Bef- oh, yes. Before you go there. And oh, I, yes. And, and I do want him to go there. But yes. The last caller. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give him the same answer or a similar answer that I gave the lady about menopause. Oh, yes. Because if he's needing testosterone, he is in what we call andropause. Okay. The male equivalent of menopause. And just as the, the, the misapprehension is that women only need estrogen because they think that the menopause is due to estrogen rather than thyroid, estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. Gen- sir, if your testosterone is low low enough that you need supplementation. The odds are your thyroid is low. It's normal, but it's lower than it was when you were a kid. And so your metabolism is slowing down and you'll gain weight more easily and your head gets a little fuzzy and your thinking is not as good as it should be. So we should also be addressing your thyroid. Mm. Your progesterone is down significantly. And men, progesterone, by the time they hit andropause, progesterone is often hard to even detect. The problem with that is progesterone is making your skin sag and crease and wrinkle and look old. And I know you, if you're on testosterone, you don't want to look old. But that's progesterone is interfering with your skin. It's interfering with your sleep. Your low progesterone is why you're waking up in the middle of the night and not sleeping as well as you used to. And that low progesterone is why your prostate is growing and getting bigger and bigger and slowing down your urine stream. So I'm oh, and by the way, your estrogen is also down. But your if your estrogen is down, that's why you're starting to get brain fog from time to time. Okay. Estrogen is also a potent anti-inflammatory. So with men, just like women, we need to carefully measure thyroid, testosterone, progesterone, estradiol, in addition to the other 25 or 30 things we measure. Because treating you properly is not just giving you testosterone. If your doctor is only giving you testosterone for your andropause, they're doing a bad job. Okay. You need better care than that. And that's what Longevity Medical Clinic is all about. Men who need testosterone need more than testosterone. They're only doing part of the job. You ought to come to Longevity Medical Clinic and let us do the job right. Because that's what this show is all about. This is, after all, an infomercial. There you go. I pay for this time. (laughs) It's not given to me. I just don't like the format of infomercials. There you go. But the reality is, any man who needs testosterone needs other things in addition. And if you're not getting them, you're being mistreated by your doctor. There you go. Call longevity. Now. I'm going to give that number right now. Go ahead. 866 86 young to get that free health analysis appointment. Let's find out because if you don't measure, you don't know, right? Dr. Mixon. Absolutely true. 866-86-YOUNG and go online to lmclinic.com. Find out about us and schedule your free health analysis appointment. All right. So since we're talking about testosterone, there was a quick question that came over for Dr. Gilbert. Um, can testosterone, uh, affect dry eyes? 
Can that cause dry eyes? Absolutely true. It affects glands all throughout the body, and it can be part of. So what glands does it affect that's that's important to the eye? Well, the number one gland system that's responsible for comfort and the stability of your vision is the meibomian gland system, which is responsive to testosterone. So, yes, um, using testosterone cream on the carefully on the eyelids can be part of a, a treatment of people who have meibomian gland dysfunction, dry eyes because of that uh, failure of those glands. It certainly won't unblock the glands, it won't fix the glands, but it can be part of a regimen that uh, that helps to improve your dry eyes if that's the main problem. Yeah. All right. And let me throw in a two cents here. One of the things you want to be cautious with, the commercial testosterone gels like this gen- last gentleman had. You sure wouldn't want to get that near your eye. Because those are alcohol-based. Right. Yow, and, and if you rub that this on your is eyelid... Not, you're not putting the <laughs> testosterone in your eye, by the way. Let's no. be real clear. You right. cautiously... So this is the reason that I rarely prescribe it, because wow. it's not main. It's not going to start the treatment. You have to get the glands working, and it can be part. It can help. Mm-hmm. But the misuse of it, accidental, I don't mean abuse in terms of a drug, but accidental dental use, mm-hmm. putting it in the wrong place, getting some in your eye, can be very uncomfortable yeah. and and worse than, than the benefit. Sure, because the last thing you want is an alcohol-based right. oh anything in your oh. eye. Because that will strip off the top layer very handily. Oh, boy. Okay. But, but here's the neat thing. We don't use alcohol-based right. gels in our, in our clinic. We have the compounded pharmacy make gels for us. And we've probably got 20 different bases you can put it in just occurred to me i don't know what base would be safest to use near the eye yeah the creams um usually are all right they will be irritating when they get in the eye but not toxic to the eye in so because you can you, use you can you can make a vanishing cream you can yeah. make a, a fat based a lipo cream there's all, all sorts of creams you could use i'm just you and i need to have a talk off the air because what i would do is if you decided you wanted to use it I talked to Brandon, who mm-hmm. does yeah, our yeah. compounding. Uh, yeah. At Paramount and, Pharmacy. And if you told me what base would be the safest base to use, he can actually put the testosterone in yeah. that base for your patients. Sure, sure. Just right. a thought. The one there that would go. be the least least toxic, because yeah. people will accidentally get it in there. You know That's it, right. yes. Yeah, and if they're going to get a little right. bit in there by accident, I want it to be the safest thing we possibly could use. Very good. Yeah, Exactly. All right, let's go to Quincy. We've got Bob on the line. Bob, hi there. Thank you for waiting. Good morning, and good morning to Dr. Gilbert, who gave me my new eyesight. Thank you so much. My yes. great my great joy. Thank you for calling. <laughs> and How Dr. can we Nick, help you? I wish I had an hour to talk to you, but I realize it's radio. <laughs> I will try to be as brief as possible. Okay. Um, the The last year, I've had a lot of life changes, Um, uprooted 40 years in a house and moved, had an accident, Um, finally got turned loose after the accident to start working out again, was having aches and pains, which is normal, Um, somewhere kind of severe. Uh, On the last trip to LMC, I got a blood draw, and I stopped into Kirkland to visit Dr. Prentice, who your staff recommended to me years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did some deep tissue massage and readjusted my atlas, and that's taken away some of the pain in the shoulder, and that's, that's working out really good. Um, I am very much missing Dr. Armstrong, 
who yes. watched my numbers go up and down over the years and was always there with me. And we were always able to work through that. However, my new doctors, I'm working on the second one now, um, they're concerned about my cholesterol okay. and a trending, trending blood pressure that's apparently trending up. But again, there, it's like uh, time of year, what's going on in my life. And I, Dr. Armstrong, we never worried about that. We just, we tracked it. Mm-hmm. And that brings me to my discussion with them about senescent cells. And I thought that might help me heal better. But they were more concerned with my cholesterol. And I did okay. discuss with them about Dr. Cho. And we did a heart scan. And the cartilage buildup in my arteries was zero. Uh, he seemed unimpressed and was more concerned with uh, a new cholesterol test to find out what's going on. So okay. that's where we're at. All right. Well, first of all, I agree with you. We hated to lose Dr. Armstrong. Mm. But his wife wants to be a, um, a uh, what do they call the, the, the ladies that deliver the babies? Oh, a midwife. Uh, midwife. midwife. Oh, okay. Yes. So his wife, oh, my goodness. W- w- his wife was going to midwife school in Texas. Huh. And since the wife was going to Texas, Dr. Armstrong went to Texas. There you go. <laughs> it's funny right. how that works. So, <laughs> but if Nathan well, ever wants to, that's, a- that's right. But if Nathan ever wants to come back here, I've got a spot for him. So, <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, a couple of things, I guess. Cholesterol generally. There are, our biggest worry with cholesterol is damaged cholesterol. LDL cholesterol is pretty fragile. And it can be damaged by free radicals, high sugars, any sorts of inflammatory process can damage LDL cholesterol. And once it's damaged, your body sees it as a, as a foreign material and tries to get rid of it. And so you send out yeah. phagocytes, white blood cells that gobble it up. And those white cells will gobble up so much damaged LDL that they actually look like they're filled with foam. So we call them, oddly enough, foam cells. And those foam cells migrate to the wall of the artery and burrow under the artery or under the wall and get laid down as plaque. And that's what forms that plaque in your arteries that starts to narrow the lumen. Okay, But... The general consensus for the last, golly gee, I don't know, 70 or 80 years has been we wanted to lower LDL as as low as possible because the LDL was blamed for the plaque. But it's actually the damaged LDL that will get blamed, that that causes the plaque. Healthy LDL does you no harm. The question is, which LDL is at risk? We now can do more than the old test where we just measured how much LDL. We now can break the LDL down into three different subcategories. And we know which of those subcategories is highest risk of causing you problems. We also can actually measure the particle size of those LDL and tell you how many high-risk particles you've got. Because if, you're, if the makeup of your LDL is low-risk and the particle size is such that it's not going to cause you problems, then we can relax and say, yeah, the guy's got high cholesterol, but his high cholesterol is not going to kill him. It's not going to result in a heart attack, and we can relax. But until we know what kinds of cholesterol, what kinds of LDL you've got, 
then we're stuck with the old paradigm of we have to press down your cholesterol levels. Okay. Thank so you. now I understand the doctor's concern completely. Yeah. So so what your doctor wants to do is to run a test that'll tell us what kinds of right. LDL cholesterol you got and do we really need to worry about it or not? And if we don't, we'll relax. If we do, great. I want to relax. We'll go after it. <laughs> I, want him to, I want him to relax. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You know, and and you're right. The senescent cell therapy is is probably going to decrease your aches and pains and your stiffness, and it will let you heal faster and more completely. It'll actually allow you to grow more muscle and get stronger and and more flexible. So I'd love to have you on the senescent cell therapy, assuming you don't have any contraindications to it. Um, but uh, I, I think you can understand in, why he's worried about your cholesterol now, too. Yes, and for my doctors, I don't warm up to new people that fast. Uh-huh. I'm just not that way. <laughs> and the okay. relationship that I have with Dr. Armstrong is yeah. really, really hey, good. Nathan's a sweetheart of a guy. Like I said, I hate him to go, but... You know, it was a. He yeah. could either join her or get a divorce, and he seemed to be fond of the woman. So, you know, <laughs> so I moved to Texas. So he moved to Texas. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so. you've helped me and my new doctor, I'm sure, because I've got a a, confer- a telephone conference with him coming up after the blood draw. All right, and we'll discuss what we'll discuss what we talked about. And Sounds good. I want to move forward. Yep. That's all, doing. That's all we want to do. Keep going and have the confidence in my doctor that he knows where I'm at, what I'm yep. doing, knows what I'm all about, and that's important to me. Yes, it is. Well, and that's why when I structured Longevity Medical Clinic 25 years ago, I set it up so that every doctor visit is an hour long, so that the doctor and the patient have a time to get to know each other and communicate yep. and share their concerns. So that you can get better That'll care. Work. Yeah, you know, you you can't give good hour, medical care a in a six-minute visit. After my blood drop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. We're good. That's good. So I, I talked with him for a half hour, which wasn't enough, obviously. And I'll be, this hour coming up will be yep. pretty good, I'm sure. It'll be productive. Mm-hmm. Okay. You take thank care, you my for friend. for everything you sure. do. And again, Dr. Gilbert, thank you so much. My great joy. Thank you. All right. Thank you for your call, Bob. We're going to head right to Tom. Tom, you've got a question for the doctors. Yes. Hello. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, I have evidently some sodium problem. I have a 134 NEQL. The range is 135 to 145, but I'm one off 134. My doctor seems a little concerned about it, but uh, what's all that about? Uh, it's not one of my doctors, I hope. <laughs> so, Check it again. Uh, no. Okay, good. Um, boy, how to how to explain this? I would not be concerned about a single, mildly, marginally elevated sodium level. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it is high and is trending higher over time. I'd be more concerned. Okay. But things mm-hmm. that, if, if I get a single bounce that's out on the uh, average level, just outside of the nor- so-called norms, um, it doesn't mean that much. Let me, let me explain to you how we come up with normal values in medicine. All right. It's a statistical probability. What they do is they do the test on 10,000 people. 
and they find the statistical mean for their values. They go two standard deviations on either side of that mean. By definition, that encompasses 95.6% of the population. The top 2.2 percentile are abnormally high by definition. The bottom 2.2 percentile are abnormally low by definition. It doesn't mean either one is sick. It means they fell outside of that statistical range. Okay. Human beings are made by the same general plan. But the good Lord threw a fair bit of variability in there. Let me give you an example. Okay. If I measure the height of 10,000 people and find the statistical mean, and I say, okay, this is the average height of a human being, and then I go two standard deviations out, I'm going to get 95% of the basketball teams in the NBA are going to be abnormally tall. Does that mean they're sick? No. It means they're taller than the rest of us. Okay? If I go to Southern Asia and measure the people there, I'm going to find a fair number of people that fall in the bottom 2.2 percentile. Does that mean they're sick? No. It means they're shorter than the rest of us. (laughs) Our laboratory values are the same sort of thing. You're looking at a statistical construct that is arbitrary. We just decided 100 years ago that this is how we were going to define normal. But being abnormal doesn't mean you're sick. It means that your your lab value came out a little bit out. And the first thing you do is repeat it. Because things like sodium go up and down and up and down and up and down. And unless it's high and getting higher over time, then I better look for a reason. But if it's just high and you're well, otherwise he healthy, I don't worry about it. Well, he suggested I, like I cut down from three cups of coffee to two cups of coffee, from two beers to one beer, and get retested. I guess he thinks I'm, I have too much fluids in my body. I don't know. Well, I guess, but you know what? Excess f- fluid intake would dilute your sodium. It wouldn't raise it. Uh, I mean, I have put I have put three people in my 50 years in medicine career in the intensive care unit for low sodium. Uh, and these were all three women who somebody told them they needed to drink lots and lots of water. And they started drinking lots of water and they drank so much water, they diluted out all of their sodium to the point that they got brain swelling and were having seizures <laughs> and oh had to get God. put in the ICU. You can die from uh, from too much water, okay? You can actually kill yourself by diluting out your sodium too much with too much water. How much water do you have to consume daily to get to that point? That's a lot of water. That's a lot of water. That's a lot of water. But for some reason, there are are enthusiasts out there on the Internet telling people, you know, you've got to drink more water, more water, more water. Well, And some people take that to the extreme. Some people take it to an extreme, and they hurt themselves. Wow. In fact... Yeah, but he wants me to cut down on fluids, though. That's, that's yeah, but if you cut down on fluids, that will raise your sodium. It doesn't lower your sodium. So, I don't know. I'd say if you want to lower your sodium, you eat less salt. Okay? Don't salt your food. Um, yeah. You know, eat kind of bland foods for a while and see if that brings your sodium down. But I think the point that Dr. Mixon made that's really important is repeat the blood level. Even before you do a lot of manipulation, just checking that level to see if it was an aberration in in either the lab or the measurement itself. 
Okay. Okay. Well, thank you very much, doctor. Doctor, <laughs> right. thank you. Take care. Bye bye. All okay. right. Okay, we don't have any more callers here, but we do have an offline question, and it has to do with, um, let's see, this is Phil from Tacoma. Uh, he takes relief factor, but also wants to know if dromelanin, I hope I pronounced that right, dromelanin, uh, is, is a good help to build immune system. I think he's probably talking about bromelain. Okay, bromelain. Maybe that is it. <laughs> and it sounded like dromelain. So yeah, bromelain, bromelain, is that something that is healthy for bromelain building? Bromelain is, is kind of interesting. It's actually extracted from the, from the uh, pineapple plant, pineapple. Mm. from the roots and flowers and stems. Um, bromelain is a proteinase. It breaks down proteins. But fascinating, it does a lot of other stuff, and it does decrease the inflammatory cytokines, the the interleukins and the uh, the uh, tumor necrosis factors that cause inflammation are lowered significantly by bromelain, and uh, it it also has an antifungal and an antibacterial effect. Hmm. So bromelain is kind of an interesting compound. Uh, Yes, it can decrease inflammation, and using bromelain with your relief factor does have a significant chance of decreasing your inflammation even further and helping to decrease your pain. Very good. All right. So, Phil, uh, hopefully you were listening and you you heard that bit of information. Uh, With just a couple of minutes left of our show today, Dr. Michael Gilbert from Northwest Vision Institute, thank you for coming in today. My pleasure. Very good. Always, always a lot of fun to do this. Yes, yes. I love that you had some of your patients calling in today. Now, if you are one who's concerned about your vision and you would like to get in to see Dr. Michael Gilbert at Northwest Vision Institute, I'm going to give you the phone number. It's 425-450-2020. I like how that, how you do that. 2020. 2020. So 425-450-2020. And what is the latest, the latest and greatest thing with eyes that you're excited? You know, I, you're excited something about? that I think is, uh, it, I, I see more patients, uh, every week is just building uh, in the community. I think it's because of a lot of radio advertising on a RLE refractive lens exchange. Ah. Implant surgery has been something that has been reserved for patients who had cataracts and the visions were getting terrible. Now we're able to do it for people in their 50s who just want to see better. Yes. And they're too old for LASIK. So this is LASIK for adults. Gives you distance, intermediate, and near vision. And there's been a lot of interest in it. Have a lot of happy patients who are doing that. Okay, so if that's something you've heard about and you're like, yes, that's what it is. My 11-year-old yeah. has actually read the articles on it. Yeah. And uh-huh. she's, and I'm saying, she's ready. She's saying, there you, you go. got to wait. You gotta, she is a special lady. Until you're 20. <laughs> and Dr. <laughs> Mixon, you've done this and so have I. So. She has her own MasterCard. There you go. That's when she should do that. <laughs> oh, don't give her that oh. idea. Whoa. Well, we're going to gonna say goodbye for today. Thank you, Dr. Mixon, Dr. Gilbert, for being in the studio live. We're back again next week. You join us for Leading Edge Medicine. Aging gracefully is a terrible option. Learn to live to your fullest potential. It's a lot more fun. Call now with your questions at 1-800-465-8770. That's 1-800-465-8770. And stay tuned for more of the show.
If you have chronic pain and are considering stem cell therapy, consider the only doctor with over 30 years of experience with pain medicine techniques, including stem cell therapy. And that's Dr. Daniel Nelson, MD, with Eastside Pain and Regenerative Medicine. Here's what a satisfied patient had to say. I would say Dr. Nelson is a great guy. He's very personable, makes you feel very comfortable, as does the staff. Everything went well. I had the stem cell injections, and within a month, I really had a change in my knee. It was uh, unbelievable to me, honestly. I thought there'd be more pain involved with the procedure, and there was hardly any. Uh, It was amazing, and I've told a lot of people about it. After having it for two years now, it worked tremendously. Glad I did it. You should consider stem cell therapy, but call a medical doctor with experience. Dr. Daniel Nelson and 